calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, Miss Keegan. Hello, Miss Madigan. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm doing okay. This week, I feel like, went by quickly, which is always a blessing. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty mellow. Good. How about yourself? I feel pretty good. I was pretty revved up. I was telling Keegan about a couple, uh, I guess, comment wars I got in earlier. I hate referring to it as that because I don't want to stoop that low, but I guess that's what it was. But it was funny. I didn't tell her this part. I was literally like my heart was pounding so hard. And I guess I was like smacking my lips or something while I was writing because like Max just turned to me. He's like, what is wrong with you? He's like, what what sounds are you making right now? I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I had to like go to the bedroom and like be in quiet to like make a response or else I was going to scream. You know, I wonder and I bet you people have conducted psychological studies as to like the stress that that kind of thing puts on your body because I remember when I was I remember so long ago three weeks whenever I was on Facebook (laughs) and getting look at you all wisdomous now I know I know when I've been telling you for like a year to delete Facebook and now I'm the one getting in comment Mm -hmm. wars on Facebook have turned (laughs) um but yeah I mean I remember sending a risky comment like you see something that you're like oh I just can't let this pass by and you post something that you know you know you just opened a can right and like people are going to come out of the woodwork for you I love opening the cans though it's so much fun it's it's but it's also bad (laughs) it's an adrenaline rush but it also spikes my anxiety so bad because the minute I do that and when you see the name pop up that they've responded it's this like hot feeling in your chest where you're like oh god there's a jolt of energy where you're just like I've had to like step out and get a glass of water and come back in before I've read comments before you know what I mean yeah oh that's exactly what I did is like I went to my bedroom I just like laid on my stomach and wrote out my thing on my phone so I think it was because like I was sitting 
in the living room with the TV on. I was sitting with Max. My dogs are playing. And I was really upset by what I was reading on my phone. I think there was just like too much going on. And I was getting like super worked up. And I didn't realize I was making those sounds. So when Max like pointed it out, I was like, okay, I need to just like refocus, uh, say this as intelligently and as non like poke the bear e as I can, but still get my point across, you know, cause that's the thing is like, there's a beauty in not giving a fuck. And I'm so glad that I've become one of those people, which of course I give a fuck on things that matter. I deeply, deeply care for people, but I don't really give a fuck if you don't agree with the things that I believe in, because I believe that I'm believing the right things. You know what I mean? And if you don't want to be a part of that, then you don't have to be a part of that. So that's why I think I don't feel so bad about commenting things because I don't really care what people have to think about me and my views. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Just, yeah. Okay. Um, Should we get into the news, Keegan? For sure. Um, Okay. So the first thing that I have is a bummer. And if you've been on the internet at all, I think that you know what I'm going to talk about here. I was actually surprised because I had a... um, board meeting last night with my fellow board members for the theater company that we're a part of just trying to figure out a way to go forward in these times because LA just completely shut down California just shut down again um and I was talking to them just catching up because I hadn't talked to them in a while and our friend of the podcast Vanessa brought this up and she was like what huh and I was like how do you not know about this um which will just show you what happens whenever you have two children under the age of five. God bless you. Goddess bless you, Vanessa. I should say she's working from home as well. And she she has a new job. Oh, and she has the two cutest kids. My God. So adorbs. Shout out to Joey and Oscar. Uh, Hey, Hey, but I wanted to just mention, cause I realized there was so much that we had been talking about, um, that we didn't bring this up last week, but last week, Naya Rivera, who is the actress from Glee, went missing. Uh, She went missing on Wednesday last week, July 8th. And what happened was she was boating. She had rented a pontoon boat at Lake Peru, which is this place here in Southern California. And I guess the residents there at Lake Peru have been saying for a long time, they've been asking that officials put up signs around the lake because the lake is incredibly dangerous. There are these undercurrents at certain times of year and certain times during the day that can pull people under and have done in the past. Right. Well, Um, and she, she was on a pontoon boat with her son and I don't know, Keegan, were you around lakes a lot growing up? Being where you're I from. was. Yeah. So like I've been on a lot of pontoons and stuff and the image of because the way that they described the story of what happened, they said that her son Josie, um who's and four. Who was four, yes, and Naya were swimming and this undercurrent came and so they and they I think I also read somewhere that there was no anchor dropped on the boat or something. But I don't know I if believe, that's true. I, I believe that's true. I'm not certain about that either but what I do know is that she was swimming with him holding Mm -hmm. him because he's four uh and still if you're if you're holding like I've had to swim with you know my eight-year-old under my arm and it's still it's hard it is hard to swim so if you've got waves coming at you and there's this undercurrent trying to pull you under I can only imagine like the mom's strength 
that was used to yes. hold on to your son and still somehow swim to that boat, get to it. And then you tell you tell the listeners what happened next. Yeah. So uh, authorities have basically said that they surmise that um, judging by the circumstances and also what her son Josie had to say when they were able to get to him is that she was able to use her last bit of strength to kind of hoist her son into the boat, uh, but she didn't have enough strength or the undercurrent was too strong that it pulled her under. Because, and this breaks my heart, what Josie said was he felt his mom push him up onto the boat and then he turned around and saw her go under. And Um, how traumatizing. When I I read that quote, I read that article where they said that this morning and I was absolutely gutted. That poor child Mm -hmm. who was only four years old. It doesn't, I mean, just from what I've read, you know, the way he described what happened, it's, I mean, obviously child, like he's four years old, but like trying to make those pieces fit in your head when you're four of what happened to your mom Like, I can't imagine what that kid is going through. There had to have been a certain amount of expecting her to come back as well, because what happened was they realized when the pontoon boat didn't come back because it was rented. And I think the the place they rented it from was closing and they realized the pontoon boat didn't come back. That's when they started searching for her. And he was alone on this pontoon boat for something like two hours is what they're estimating. So this poor four-year-old boy is just kind of floating out in the lake well, and by I guess, himself. And I guess he was asleep when they found him and there's something so sad about that where it's just kind of like, I mean, obviously I don't know what was going on in his mind, but it may be just like, okay, maybe if I just fall asleep, you know, when I wake up, mommy will be back because mommy's there when I wake up, you know, there's just this. Yeah. I would, I would think that it just, in my mind, I mean, even as an adult person, there's a, a certain amount of denial and disbelief, even as an, an adult who can like rationalize about things and you might, think like, okay, I just need to wait and they'll come back. They'll come back, you know. Um, And I remember last Wednesday when I heard this, the first thing I thought was Natalie Wood. The first thing I thought was like, oh, she's not coming back. I I had this belief from the beginning. I still held out hope that they would find her. Mm -hmm. Um, But as the days wore on, they, they didn't find her. And I think it was on Monday or Tuesday of this week they did finally yeah. find her body. It was actually on July 13th. And I just want to interject really quick. That was actually the seven-year anniversary of her co-star Corey Monteith's death as well. Yeah. So the Glee cast, they have just experienced such a tremendous amount of loss. Yeah. It's it's really sad. So Corey Monteith died seven years ago of a drug overdose. Uh, and then their co-star Mark Soling also, he w- had been convicted of child pornography charges, yeah. was arrested, and then committed suicide in prison. Um, and so they've lost three young cast members. Yeah. I mean, not- to really, really tragic, tragic mm-hmm. circumstances. And it's yeah. funny, like, Glee is one of those shows that was really, really popular when it came out. Keegan, I think we were like the niche and the age that were you into Glee? I was for like okay. the first two seasons because I was 
hugely into musical theater. Same. I was very active in the theater community when Glee came out. Same. So when I didn't like it once it started getting to like top 40 hits, like I really loved the first few seasons so much. But then like we didn't really hear about it for a long time and the popularity of Glee kind of came back. I don't I feel like it's been on Netflix for a while, but I guess people are now just watching it. All this stuff about I almost called her Rachel. Leah Michelle is coming out, which we've all known that she's We've known that forever. Not nice. Yeah, yeah we've Mm-hmm. Uh, that's nothing new, but you know, she's really been under fire lately. And now this have it's just like, and there've been all these I, on Buzzfeed. It's like the craziest glee moments, the most inappropriate glee moments. Like there's something about glee that kind of like got back into the spotlight very recently, like within the last few months, I feel like. And then this shit storm of tragedy followed. Like it's really weird yeah. how it, like they kind of got into the spotlight again. And then now this has happened. And something that was so devastating about Naya's death is that her character Santana on the show was a Latina lesbian woman. And there was such an out- one of the first one of the first students. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was it was a huge, huge. I mean, that show broke a lot of barriers in a lot of amazing ways the first few seasons and the outpouring of sadness and support for her family from her LGBTQIA plus fans has been beautiful. Hearing people's stories about how she's helped them come out, you know, as a person of color who is part of the LGBTQ community. Her storyline, I mean, as much as like by that point, that was probably like end of season two, maybe into season three. I was starting to fade out of Glee at that point. But I did watch um, sporadically and her storyline of this teenager who was struggling to not only come to terms with her sexuality, but also voice it and come out was really powerful. And it really, really resonated with people because it's such a vulnerable age. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how people do it. I'm 30 years old and I'm just finding my voice. I feel like in yeah. standing up for myself and not being concerned about what other people think of, about me exactly. and just trying to live my truth. So very powerful. Yeah. And there was also such a positive example of a relationship. I know. I mean, I haven't watched all of them, so I'm sure the whole show was problematic at times. So I'm sure that, mm-hmm. you know, what were the Britney and Santana right perfectly I'm sure it wasn't perfect but I know for a lot of people I've been reading that like an example of what just like a normal lesbian relationship would look like you know not having it be this big deal they were it didn't feel overly sexualized either even though you know they Glee would sometimes sexualize the characters but I don't feel like their relationship felt sexualized which I think a lot of shows are guilty of over sexualizing um lesbian relationships oh yes well and they had this the thing that I loved about their relationship when I was watching the show is that they had this you know it's a high school show and they had this sweet high school innocence and I was reading something I think it was just like a you know a tweet that was put on Instagram or something where somebody said that we need to stop sexualizing sexual orientation because you know when we're little we're not looking at somebody thinking I want to sleep with them I want to have sex with them we're looking at them and thinking they're cute I want to hold their hand I want to date them yeah you know and Mm -hmm. there's something really pure about seeing a young healthy lesbian relationship where it isn't overly sexualized but you still kind of see you know their their experiences in a relationship as a normal way you know it doesn't make it seem like it's this big deal you know yeah totally so I mean our our thoughts are with 
her family and the Glee cast and her son in particular and her ex-husband who I think she still had a, a decent co-parenting relationship with. Yeah. Um, so we're just sending them love yeah. because what a devastating, horrible, tragic and yeah. unpredictable event. I would really. really love to read her book because people I've been reading so much about how people said she was just such a wonderful person. I know she came out with a memoir a while ago and now I, you know, obviously it, I have a peaked interest, but I would like to get to know her a little bit better to know m- more of her thoughts about her character and things like that. I did also see that. Do you remember Taj Maori who was on Sister Sister mm-hmm. uh-huh. and yeah, Smart yeah. Guy? I guess yeah. he played her boyfriend on a show or something. On Smart or, Guy. On she Smart was Guy. on Smart Guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wrote something about how like that was his first girlfriend and his first love and he'll love her forever. Yes. And there's something yeah. I, I, that was so sweet to me because like, it's that reminder of like, you think you're going to have this person around you forever to tell them that you love them. And then when they're gone, it's this desperate thing of like, but I didn't get to tell them how much they still meant to me. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, an important reminder not to get too like woo woo, um, about it. But I, I think that it's an important reminder to live in the moment Yeah, because, Nothing is guaranteed. Living in the past does you no good. Living in the future is not guaranteed. So uh, if you love somebody and you care about them, even if it's someone that you're thinking about right now while you're listening to this, there is no harm in sending somebody a text message and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. want you to know I'm caring about you. I care about you, you know? Yeah, for me, that's like my biggest like... I don't know if that would be part of like a love language language or what it would be, but whenever words of affirmation, words of yeah. affirmation, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people where like I don't want to be this way, but I need to be reassured that I'm loved sometimes. Like I know that that sounds I don't think awful, that but it does not sound awful. Everybody has different ways that they need to be loved, and that is one of the love languages is words of affirmation. Some people need that, yeah. Um, and again, this is one of my joys. I was actually gonna post about this on my Instagram because. I have found that something that has been bringing me a lot of joy is if I see something, a selfie someone posted or they wrote something on their story or something, I will send them a message and just say like, oh, you look so beautiful in this picture. And I think giving compliments is really lovely. And if if that's something that like you feel inclined to do, just do it. You're going to make somebody's day. You're going to feel good. That's something that I've always done. Sorry, you guys, my dog is losing her goddamn mind behind me. But um, I, I do that a lot. And I do it in person too. And I've been I've been asked by people like why do you why do you go out of the way to like say that and I'm just like I don't because know because why not because why not like if I'm and I love that about being a woman too is that I love that women even if they don't have like another compliment to say they'll just compliment you on your shoes or your dress or your shirt or something and it creates this wonderful solidarity you know yeah it's beautiful so yeah. all right well I want to get into something else that is Something that I, I really hadn't heard, but Max has a cousin in Kentucky who he was talking to you about this yesterday, and I wanted to learn more about it, and that is the gentrification in the area in which Breonna Taylor was killed. Um, I think this is something... It's going to lead right into my next thing. Is it? Okay, perfect. Go for it. Um, so 
the attorneys for Breonna Taylor's family are alleging that the police targeted her home as part of a Louisville gentrification plan because in the area there have been at least eight homes that have been bought and demolished for a, quote, high investment, high dollar real estate deal that will then turn the city into a modern looking city with a, quote, futuristic looking homes, a cafe, an amphitheater and state of the art fitness centers. Okay, how about you take care of your people who are there right now? Exactly. How about we do that? Exactly. Uh, the Louisville Police Department developed a special squad called the Place-Based Investigators. Um, so they basically were there to address like systemically violent locations and complement the LMPD's existing um, like deterrence strategy, basically, to try to drive these people out of the area. Uh, so Brianna didn't live on Elliott Avenue. I believe this is it's like Russell or Robinson area. I didn't write it down and now I can't remember. But Brianna did not live in this area um, which was a big, a major street involved in the gentrification, but her boyfriend Kenneth did live in that area, and they're saying that there was a car registered to her that had been seen several times at a suspected drug dealer's house, and they're saying that, like, the cops were saying that the reason that they went there was because they were thinking that the dealer was hiding the drugs at her house, and she was, like, a middleman or something. It's this whole crazy story that they're coming out with um and essentially it wouldn't surprise me because in some ways it sounds a little bit like oh maybe it's a little conspiracy theory ish but it it honestly would not surprise me at all right and that was something that was happening and the thing that's like still upsetting about this is that i feel like people use drugs a lot of times as this excuse to like dehumanize the person that was killed because so what if Brianna was like, uh, or Kenneth's, you know, house had drugs in it that he was holding for somebody? Like, none of that means that you should die and be killed. Like, none yep. of that matters. And I feel like, you know, bringing that up is just another way of just kind of like dishonoring her, her death and her murder. Um, and essentially, it seems like this gentrification deal is Mayor Greg Fisher's big idea. He wants to have he le- <laughs> wants to leave this like visible legacy. So Max's cousin was oh, saying okay. was saying yesterday that God, I can't remember what they were chanting. Now I should have written it down, but that like they went to the mayor's like house or something, and he was talking to somebody and had his back turned, and all these protesters came up and started. S- like chanting something about gentrification like right behind him and he got like super like pissed off obviously it was like everybody off my lawn in this whole thing um so luckily people are putting a lot of pressure on the mayor um i actually posted something on my story my personal instagram she's mad again today uh, i should post it on the podcast instagram as well but there is a new i don't know how new it is now but a new ish website called forbriana.com it it started last week or the week before. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. it's new-ish, and it's so unbelievably helpful. I I have uh, Brianna Taylor saved in my phone, so I can just call it from there. But this website is great because they give you email addresses, phone numbers, and other ways to, um, you know, contact yeah. the people that are important to contact. So the the way that it came about was actually, you know, it's so funny. Like we all think that we're so small, but this person had seen the. Uh, meme that said it's time to go harder for Brianna Taylor because her name is no longer tra- uh, trending. So um, they created this website called For Brianna because I understand how daunting it can feel to not know 
the right thing to say or what to do. And so he created just this website where you can click uh, on the link to send an email. It will give you pointers on what to say. You can set up reminders um, to remind you to call or email because this is one of those things. It is truly breaking my heart how long it's taking to get her justice. And I've continued to post almost every single day. And mm-hmm. now I used to post the phone number and now I post for Brianna.com. Yeah. Um, because I think it's an easier way for people to be able to do this. It definitely but is. We have to continuously apply pressure. And so to kind of go along with what you were talking about on Tuesday, protesters gathered outside of, um, the Louisville Attorney General's house, Daniel Cameron's house, um, to protest her murder. So 87 people were arrested on Tuesday and they were charged with felonies, yeah. which is almost unheard of, um, not misdemeanors. They were charged with felonies yeah, for that intimidating. Was, that was something that I read that I was like, felonies, mm-hmm. really? Oh, yeah, it's a mess. So they were charged with felonies for intimidating a participant in the legal process. And um, Linda Sarsour, who is an activist, you would probably recognize her if you saw her. She's an activist, and she was one of the original people, uh, women who organized the first Women's March. Um, She said, what a direct action does is it takes us to a direct target. It was very clear that we were going to Attorney General Daniel Cameron's house because he has influence and and power over our demand. We had a singular demand, arrest and charge the cops involved in the murder of Breonna Taylor. And so they came in, he felt threatened, and they arrested 87 people, some of whom spent 17 to 24 hours in jail, sleeping on concrete floors. Um, and for a lot of these activists, it wasn't the first time that they've spent a night in jail seeking justice for Brianna. A lot of these people who were arrested on Tuesday had been arrested at protests in the past asking for justice for um, Brianna. And Linda Sarsour she took issue with the charges, like we were saying, uh, against her and the others. She she admitted that they were trespassing. They can't deny that they were trespassing. They were in front of his house. But being charged with a felony, she said, quote, but we are being charged with a felony as an intimidation tactic by the LMPD in hopes that they believe we will never do this again because of that charge. We are not intimidated. They planned, as soon as they got out, they were planning protests for the next day. Of they course were like, they are, because like that's the thing, is that people who really want to make a change, that doesn't deter you. Absolutely. Like being yes, arrested be- and things like that, like that doesn't stop you yes. from doing it. So this intimidation yes. that they're trying to use on them doesn't work. In fact, it probably makes them angrier and want to exactly. fight even more. Exactly. So when people were coming out of detainment on Wednesday, um, they, you know, everyone gathered at the um, jailhouse. They were all chanting outside. And as people came out, so one uh, Louisville resident who had actually volunteered to be arrested, because that's a thing when you go to protests um, before the protests begin, if they know that it's likely to be a um, uh something that you you could possibly get arrested for. They will sometimes ask you who is willing to be arrested. Who could afford Uh, to be arrested? That's the thing for me. I'm like, if I could afford it, I would get arrested. No problem. Yeah. Uh, And so Sidney Williams had agreed or, um, to be arrested and he walked out with his arms above his head. He, you know, someone 
came up right away with food. Someone came up right away to give him his phone back. And he said, everyone needs to start putting their bodies on the line if they can, because they will detain us for 17 hours instead of arresting the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. I'll gladly go back to jail until arrest until you arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, really, it just stoked the flames of, of this. And actually, you know, it put the mayor, Greg Fisher, under even more intense pressure. So he's now being investigated for the way that he has handled the protesters um, and also the way that he has handled the case in general. So the Government Oversight and Audit Committee has filed an order to officially launch an investigation, quote, into the action and inaction of the Fisher administration. So we'll see what happens there. It just, it's so frustrating to me. And it's, the thing is, is that this is just the first battle too. like getting arrested in like, that's just one small piece of the puzzle. Like, is it going to go to a grand jury? Are we going to get a trial? Will we get justice? It's just like already, not seeing any changes two of the three police officers are still police officers exactly that's what i'm saying it's like to me i just don't like i'm i'm starting to feel a little bit hopeless i know i shouldn't me too but for me it's like what how far how far is like i just don't think they're gonna let it go very far is my point i just think that like you know, maybe one day. I don't even think they'll get arrested. I don't know, Keegan. I'm just, this particular case. I, I don't case, know either. I don't I, understand I don't when there are murals and you know social media posts and pressure like no other. How do these two still have know. jobs? I, I just don't. I don't know. Get it. I, I really think that they're just hoping that the pressure will die down. They just keep waiting Fuck and no. hoping that it's going to die down. I'll but call ten years from now. I don't care. <laughs> it hasn't. I don't think that it will. Um, but the fact that they have not acted yet really makes me believe that they aren't going to. Well, the thing I mean, is, is that I, a higher a higher level of authority needs to get involved. So I'm glad that there is an investigation there. I hope that there is a outside investigation, either that the family is hired or something that is looking into this and can somehow get enough evidence to finally get an arrest and a conviction. Um, right. Well, I, that's I the thing the is family, that we need these people that are, you know, we can't trust the Louisville mayor and the government to get anything no, done. It has to be well, about the people who are, you know, working the ground and getting it done. Hopefully the mayor will be um, removed from office yeah. because the state the state law does um, give the Metro Council who are the ones who are investigating the mayor's action. Um, it does give them the power to remove him from office if they find misconduct. So it's possible that he will get removed from office, but whether or not that will mean anything substantial for um, Brianna's case or, um, and this is something that we haven't even really talked about, uh, but David McAfee, who was a chef there in Louisville who was killed by police during one of the protests. Yeah. Um, Greg Fisher, the mayor, is also under investigation for his death as well. So hopefully they both find some amount of justice, but just removing the mayor from office isn't going to give justice to those people no, or their families. That would be a that's a very political move. To me, that would be a lot of like 
uh, false promises. Like, look, we got the guy out, and I just don't know. Well, it, it's what's the performative. Ne- yeah, it's exa- all thank of you. These, <laughs> it's the same thing that we're seeing right now. I mean, there are all of these symbolic gestures that I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if you stop calling the master bedroom the master bedroom. I don't give a fuck. Like, none of this matters to me. Like, thank you for painting Black Lives Matter on the road. That's nice. It's pretty, but that's not what we're asking for. Exactly. Like, you can remove the mayor from office, but unless you charge the cops who killed Breonna Taylor, unless you take action against the people who murdered David McAfee, or McAfee, sorry, I keep saying McAfee, McAfee, um, it doesn't matter to yeah, me. It's, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a really big problem right now. And I think that it's good to celebrate the small victories, but a hundred, not yeah. to be satisfied with anything yeah, less course. than I'm, I'm glad the end objective. I'm glad that Aunt Jemima is being taken off the packaging. I love all the Black Lives Matter murals. I love all of the attention that's being put on this. I love that the Redskins are going to change their mascot. I love <laughs> now all the, of those Now things. the owner is under more shit (laughs) i mean i hear all the sports drama politics from my boyfriend (laughs) they're all good things but i'm like uh, but what we're asking for is systemic change not symbolic change yeah systemic change to the oppressive systems that are in place right and people aren't going to stop showing up and getting arrested (laughs) and doing whatever they have to do yeah until that happens. Exactly. And another thing is that it just cannot be removed from our minds. We talk about this every single week about maintaining a steady pace, doing as much that is, you know, obviously healthy for you, but really not forgetting, uh, you know, what this time has brought us, you know, has brought us to education and self-reflection and it shouldn't end just because we're not seeing social media covered with Black Lives Matter stuff anymore. We need to continue to pump it out. We need to continue to, you know, better ourselves and educate ourselves. I'm speaking as a white person, (laughs) you know. Let me me plug... um, so again, I'm listening to Tara Brock's mindfulness podcast. She's got a PhD, um, but she's a, a wonderful just storyteller and like has really been helpful to my anxiety. And she put out an episode about sustaining our caring uh, in like a compassionate way, in a way that still preserves you, um, but allows you to kind of like move forward at the same time. Exactly. So if that's something that you're interested in, check that out because I understand it's it's daunting. It's hard to know how to find strike a balance between being an activist and preserving your mental and emotional health. Right. It's difficult. I think for me, it's been a lot about um, dipping my toes into different things that are interesting me just whenever they pop into my head. You know, and and buying books or reading articles, just whenever a thought pops into my head, like I don't really know anything about that or I want to know something more about that, just looking it up uh, is really, really helpful instead of being like, oh, I'll look into that later or whatever. You know, and just doing little things every day and having a variety of things for me to look into has been really helpful as well. But then also kind of narrowing it down if you're a person that, you know, this is really daunting and you want to break it down into one thing that you can really focus on, then find that what maybe it's Brianna Taylor maybe getting justice mm-hmm. for Brianna is your thing and that's the thing you're going to stick with there's so many ways that you can do this that can still you know protect your own mental health and stability and you know for all of you who are still fighting the good fight educating yourselves listening to us you know listening to other podcasts that give you good information I mean as long as you're doing that you know 
Yeah. You're doing something and you're doing good. Totally. You know? All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Um, I guess if you do want to send us things to talk about in the news, you're more than welcome to, although I think we've got plenty of shit to talk about all the time now. But if you want to email us for anything, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist and follow us there. We have a Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and you can chat with the other listeners on our group page. If you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen and it helps us out a little bit. And I did not forget to remind you to review us on Apple Podcasts as well. I promise. I just went out of order. <laughs> all right. With all of that being said, we encourage you. To Rage rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.